Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Before Paul had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, Paul was a Pharisee. To be identified as a Pharisee meant that he devoted his entire life, his entire focus of his life, was devoted for the purpose of living a life of holiness, for the purpose of living a life of repenting from any sin that existed in his life, and to turn to a life of obedience to God. To live a life like this required a significant amount of devotion, a significant commitment within an individual to be right before their God through their activity, through their actions, through what they did, through what they did not do. This required a major commitment of an individual because every aspect of their life was governed by a system of rules and regulations and laws that a person would live by in order to ensure that they would never come within the boundaries of possibly violating the law of God as it was given through Moses. The Apostle Paul expressed this in Philippians when he wrote his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, where he said, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Paul experienced a dramatic transition in his life, between the time of his first encounter with the Lord Jesus and then later as he matured in the relationship that he would then begin to experience with him. There was a major transition in his life where he went from a life of living in obedience to the law of God or trying to live in obedience to the law of God. Certainly he did not. That was a belief that he held to, and it's a belief that many people hold to, that they sincerely believing that they are living in obedience to God, but in reality no one can. Paul experienced a dramatic transition between living a lifestyle of obedience and repentance to now saying that he is thankful that he was able to let go of all of that so that he could know Christ Jesus. That there is a significant change that Paul is expressing in his own personal life, whereas at one time he knew the law, he knew how to live in order to live a holy and righteous life from other people's perspective. But now there's something entirely different that has nothing to do with how he lives or how he doesn't live, but this has to do with really knowing Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was first introduced in Acts at the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of Acts chapter 8, when there was the confrontation with Stephen, where Stephen 
proclaimed what he believed about the Lord Jesus. He was a man who was full of grace and truth, and he stood for his conviction. He stood for his belief. And as a result of his belief in Christ Jesus and standing up for what he believed, he was murdered by the people there in Jerusalem. And at the end of Acts chapter 7, we have the first introduction of Saul, where it says in Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 58, it says, When they had driven him out of the city, referring to Stephen, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This is the first introduction of the Apostle Paul. And then in chapter 8, we see the Apostle Paul receiving letters from the chief priests and from the high priest to go out and persecute the church, to capture people who were believing in the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, put them in prison, persecute them. Paul was heavily involved with the persecution of the church in his early life. So there's a significant change that we have here between the time when Paul is first introduced as Saul, between the time he is first introduced in the scriptures and the last time that he is in Jerusalem after his missionary journeys. There's a significant change that you can see in the Apostle Paul as he now stands up for the faith that he once tried to destroy. Now this should tell you an awful lot about the reality of Christ Jesus and that once a person has an encounter with the person of the Lord Jesus. And once a person experiences a relationship with him, there really is no turning back. And regardless of what your life was like before, when you truly know the Lord Jesus personally, you would rather die than let go of or renounce the relationship that you have with Christ Jesus. Because regardless of what kind of a life that we think that we can build for ourselves, regardless of what we may accomplish or regardless of what kind of success we may achieve in our own personal life, regardless of any of these things that we may be able to acquire in the world, none of these things can remotely compare with the exciting reality of having a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. And so what we have in the scriptures comparing Acts chapter 7 and 8 with Acts chapter 20 and Acts chapter 21, what we can see here in the scriptures is that the Apostle Paul was a man who was definitely changed by the Lord Jesus over the course of time between the time that he first left Jerusalem to persecute the church and his last time when he is now arriving in Jerusalem as one who is a member of the church. And he certainly is not welcomed by anyone. Paul is definitely alone in Jerusalem. When he arrives in Jerusalem, he is confronted by James and the other elders of the church about what he was teaching and what he was believing with regards to being set free from the law and now living on the basis of the freedom that we have entered into because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. He's confronted by the church and told by the church that they do not want him teaching people what they hear. He is teaching other people in the Gentile world, here in the Jewish world, in Jerusalem. They don't want him to be telling people that they don't have to be circumcised or they don't have to live in obedience to the Mosaic Law. He's definitely not welcomed by the church. And he's definitely not going to be welcomed by the Jews who did not believe in the Lord Jesus. And so the Jews who did believe in the Lord Jesus were not willing to really welcome him and allow him to speak freely there in Jerusalem. And certainly the other Jews who did not believe in Jesus were not interested in the Apostle Paul being there. They did not welcome him and they did not want him to tell others about what he believed about the Lord Jesus. And even though he went into the temple 
in order to perform a ritualistic cleansing, in order to give at least the appearance that he is living in obedience to the Mosaic Law. Even though he goes into the temple, and he has every right to go into the temple, and he goes through the purification process, and as far as we can see, he doesn't say anything to anyone about what he believes about the Lord Jesus or what he believes about the differences between law and grace. It appears that he does not take the opportunities to speak with people about his beliefs and about his convictions yet. But it didn't matter at this point because the Apostle Paul was already very well known. People knew who he was and people knew what he really believed and people knew what he really taught and people knew that there were others who were listening to him, who were following what he was teaching. And people knew that other people's lives were being affected and changed as a result of what the Apostle Paul was teaching out there in the world. People knew this. It was too late for him to try to assimilate within the Jewish community, the community of Jews who did not believe in Jesus, and it was too late for him to try to assimilate within the church of Jews who did believe in Jesus there in Jerusalem. He had no place there anymore. He had no opportunity to experience fellowship with hardly anyone there anymore because of his deep convictions with regards to the new covenant, with regards to the forgiveness of sins, with regards to being set free from the law, and of course with regards to walking in the newness of life as a new creation in Christ Jesus. At the end of Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 27, it says, When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and lay hands on him. So the Apostle Paul was in the temple, he was going through the ritualistic purification for seven days, and there were Jews who had come from Asia, who knew of him, who probably knew him, who knew about his ministry in Asia, and who knew what his effect was in the people's lives who were there. They knew what he taught, they knew what he believed, there wasn't any confusion at all, and so to see him there in the temple would be a great offense to them, And regardless of what he said or didn't say, or what he did or didn't do, they knew what he believed. In verse 28, it says that they were crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Now, he certainly did not bring him into the temple, and he did not defile the temple as they were accusing him of doing. That wasn't the issue. They were just looking for an accusation, and of course they had to come up with a false accusation. And they could justify their false accusation easily to themselves because they were really trying to deal with something else, and that was that they were definitely distressed because here was a man who was preaching against what they believed. And he certainly was, because according to the New Covenant, we have an opportunity to have a relationship with the living God. In the Old Covenant, there was no opportunity to have a relationship with a living God. In the Old Covenant, all you could do was have a relationship with the law, with the holy place, with the traditions, with the laws that people added to the law of Moses, that's all that a person could have. And the promise of God was that if a person did manage to live in a complete obedience to the Mosaic law, then they would receive all the blessings in their flesh that they could possibly desire. 
But even then, he never promised that they would actually have a relationship with him, that they would know him. He never promised that, and they certainly had no opportunity to receive it. That is what is unique about the New Covenant in comparison with the Old. But in order to enter into the New Covenant, you really do have to let go of the Old. You have to let go of all that the Old Covenant is about, because what it is about is, first of all, an opportunity to bless your flesh, and second of all, it is an opportunity for you to try to obtain or sustain your right standing before your God by what you do or what you don't do. And yet you will never do enough or not do enough in order to stand before the Lord and say that you are perfect and holy because of your repentance and obedience. The new covenant is very different. The new covenant is that we have a relationship with our God because of what Christ Jesus has done for us, not what we think we can manage to accomplish doing for him. And so the crowd was stirred up and the people began beating the Apostle Paul. They began beating him. Why? Because he believed something that was different from what they believed. And he taught people things that was contrary to what they believed. And people were believing things that were different from what they believed. That's why they were beating him. And this is not unusual. Even to this day, people will beat other people because of what they believe. Maybe not necessarily physically, but they'll do it verbally, where they will tell lies about people, they will slander people, they will make false accusations about people, or they will twist the reality of what people are saying or what they are doing to make partial truths in order to give the appearance that these people are wicked and evil and people should definitely separate from them. There are many ways that people will abuse other people because of what they believe or because of what they teach, but most importantly, because of the effectiveness of what they are doing, that because of success, there are many people who believe that it is necessary for them to try to find some way to intervene in the success, to either try to benefit themselves by trying to take a piece of the success, or in their minds they may feel that they are protecting others who may become victimized by the success of the ministry of these individuals, such as the Apostle Paul. Regardless of what the motives might be, there will always be resistance of some kind whenever you are going forward and telling other people about the Lord Jesus. But then in Acts chapter 22, Paul proceeds to give his testimony. He proceeds to speak to the crowd once the Romans come in and they take the Apostle Paul out of the situation that he's in. He is given the opportunity to speak to the people about the circumstances at hand, and so he speaks to the people. And what he tells them is simply his testimony. That's what he tells the people. He just tells the people what he believes, what the Lord has revealed to him. He only speaks and testifies of his own personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. That's all that he did. And I think that this is very important to see, because we all have our own testimonies. We all have a testimony, we all have a story to tell, we all have something that we can share with other people about how the Lord Jesus has personally affected our lives. We can all share something with others about what the Lord Jesus has revealed to us and how that has had such a profound effect on our lives in a similar way that it had an effect on the Apostle Paul's life. Whereas the Apostle Paul's life was changed dramatically from one extreme to the other, And our lives may have been changed dramatically from one extreme to the other, or maybe not so dramatic, but we still can testify of what the Lord Jesus has revealed to us. 
And that is what the Lord will use. He will use your testimony. He will use what you believe. He will use what you have experienced. You know, in most cases, when I'm telling other people about the Lord Jesus, I don't really focus on the educational aspects of the scriptures. I don't focus on the great, vast amount of knowledge that I have. That's not what I generally use. The Lord has found ways of making use of that, and I'm very thankful for that. But in general, the most effective means that I have personally experienced when telling other people about the Lord Jesus, the most effective means of doing so is to speak out of my own conviction, to speak from the bottom of my heart, from my own personal encounter and experiences with the living God. Because people can generally tell when you're just trying to teach them something or when you're trying to sell them on something. They can tell if you're speaking from the top of your head or from the bottom of your heart. And it's very easy to speak from the top of your head when you're talking about some vast reservoir of knowledge that you have, as real as it may be and as useful as it may be. People can tell the differences between that and the differences between you sharing your own personal testimony of how the Lord has really touched your heart. They can see that and they can appreciate that a lot more, regardless of whether or not they will believe your testimony they will find it much easier to listen to what you have to say if you speak from the bottom of your heart as opposed to just trying to tell them something that you know is certainly true, but you're telling this to them more out of an exercise of trying to get them to believe something instead of testifying of something that you do believe in personally. There is a difference. And one of the ways that I think you can easily identify the difference is how you do communicate with somebody else, how you do speak with someone else. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22, he gave his defense, and when he spoke to the people, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. That's what it says in Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. It says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet, and he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, and he continued to present his testimony to speak to them in the language that they knew, in the language that was most important to them, says an awful lot about the testimony of the Apostle Paul and how he chose to speak to the people. You need to look at this from the perspective of Paul not just wanting to convey information to them, but Paul conveying information to them in a way that they can understand, in a way that they can appreciate. He spoke to them in their language. And there's an awful lot that we can learn from this. I know this well because I have personally witnessed a lot of people who tried to impose their way of saying things, who tried to impose their way of communicating the scriptures to other people, to actually try to impose themselves on other individuals without having any regard for the individuals who they are really speaking to. I see this happen a lot, and I try to tell people to avoid this, by first asking questions of the people who you are speaking with, by first trying to find out what is important to them and not try to just dictate to them what is important to you, but to first try to identify what is important to them and then testify of what the Lord Jesus has revealed to you that is meaningful to you, I mean really meaningful to you, that is in direct relationship to the things that are meaningful to this individual. 
it is then that you can obtain a unique connection with a person. And so you're not just preaching to them or you're not just teaching them, but you truly are testifying of something that they may actually have an interest in hearing. Instead of trying to preach or dictate or teach or something like that, actually speak to the individuals in a way that they can understand, in a way that they can appreciate, using words and language that they are familiar with, not necessarily trying to impose words or language or concepts that you are familiar with, trying to drag them into your world. Instead, enter into their world and speak to them. I personally believe that that is a very important lesson that we can learn from the Apostle Paul from Acts chapter 22 as he presents his testimony. But there was a point at which they were willing to listen to him, to listen to his testimony, and then it was over. And this was given in Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 19, where the Apostle Paul said, And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. They were willing to listen to him up until the point when he said that he was going to go and minister to other people. He was going to reach out to other people. He was going to take the message of the gospel to others. And at this point, they were not willing to tolerate him anymore. Why? Because of his effectiveness in ministering to other people about the Lord Jesus who they did not believe in and who they did not want to believe in. That was when his effectiveness ended. It ended at the point when he directly said something that was an absolute affront to their beliefs. Now, when this occurred, people can look at it as a failure or as success. There are many ways to look at this, and I'm not interested in measuring success or failure. I'm only wanting to tell you that there comes a point when people will no longer be willing to listen to you, and you should recognize that point, you should respect that point, and let it go. Let it go, let the circumstances go, let the people go. Even the Apostle Paul found himself in situations where people were no longer willing to listen to him. And sometimes you can't identify the limits by which you can speak with an individual. And if you understand those limits, you can choose if you're going to push the limits or if you're going to go right up to the point of where the limit is found and then stop in order to continue the conversation. And quite often this can be very helpful, especially if you can leave a situation in peace instead of in pieces, because this can provide you with an opportunity in the future to perhaps continue the conversation and continue to encourage a person to turn to the Lord Jesus. But again, in Acts chapter 22, verse 22, they listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. But just because most of the people, apparently, had this to say, most of the people responded in this way to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. That doesn't mean that everyone responded that way. It's very realistic to consider that there were some people who were there who were hearing his testimony and they could easily be thinking, my goodness, I remember Paul. I remember when he went by the name Saul. 
I remember when he was here in Jerusalem, and I remember how much he persecuted the church, how much he persecuted those people who believed in Jesus. What happened to this man who was at one time willing to expend his effort to go and cause harm to people who believed in what he's talking about right now? What happened to him to the extent where today he is willing to give his own life, it seems, he is willing to subject himself put himself at risk to the point where he would allow himself to be beaten for the very belief that he once used to beat people over. Now he is willing to be beaten so that he can tell us about what he believes, about this belief in Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the one that we should turn to, that there is something called the gospel, the good news, that there is an opportunity for us to have a relationship with our God outside of the law, outside of a lifestyle of repentance and obedience, people were hearing the testimony of the Apostle Paul, and it's very realistic to consider that some of the people who were there would have been thinking this and would reconsider the importance of the Lord Jesus, reconsider the importance of what he did, reconsider the testimony of the Apostle Paul, and think seriously about the resurrection and eternal life and salvation and perfection and righteousness to seriously consider these things once again and so that perhaps through their consideration they may actually believe as Paul believed. But I don't see any indication that anybody responded to this message that Paul gave, to this testimony that Paul gave, and I don't see any indication that Paul would have heard of any effect on other people because of what he said and what he did here in Jerusalem. But that does not matter because the important thing is is that Paul is truly responding to what the Lord Jesus has given to him, responding in such a way that he is willing to give his own life, he is willing to give all that he has, so that others may have the opportunity to hear that the Lord Jesus, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the one who will restore to you the life that you have a need for to be saved. And regardless of the outcome, Paul gave all that he had, out of the abundance of what he had, out of all that the Lord Jesus had given him, so that others would have an opportunity to know their God and be with him for all eternity. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,